Hello everyone and welcome to Faye Talks, also known as Food Allergy Youth Talks. My name is Gia and I'm the founder of Food Allergy Youth. I've had a multitude of allergies for as long as I can remember. I also underwent oral immunotherapy and desensitized myself to my allergens. I'm still allergic, but I can eat them all. I'm so excited to speak up for the youth population and offer my insights on this complex condition. Be sure to join me in my mission to educate, embolden, and make living with food allergies just a little bit easier. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fate Talks. I'm so glad you're able to join us today. In this episode, I'm joined by Amanda. She has been a food allergy advocate for quite some time now. She has a blog and a YouTube channel as well. This topic that we discussed was especially interesting to talk about, and it was transitioning into the quote-unquote real world and kind of the after-college life while managing this condition. Amanda had the perfect insight to give as she shares her experience through it all. Be sure to follow her on Instagram at everydayallergenfree and her website everydayallergenfree.com. Also, be sure to check out Faye's Instagram at Food Allergy Youth and check out Faye's website, foodallergyyouth.com. I would also really appreciate it if you could rate this podcast and subscribe. It really means a lot. And most importantly, enjoy the episode. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this conversation very much because I think it'll be helpful to a lot of people who are transitioning out of college and kind of going on to into quote unquote the real world. Um, so I think your experience will be very beneficial. So, but I would love if you can start by talking briefly about your personal food allergy story. Yes, of course. So I was diagnosed when I was a baby. So I think it's safe to say that this is the only reality that I've ever known. Um, I'm allergic to a bunch of different things, peanuts, nuts, dairy, and some others. And it's kind of an ever evolving thing. Um, I've added some allergens over the years and I've taken others away. Um, and it's always changing and I've had some anaphylaxis experiences. So that has been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first question that I kind of want to ask you about your post-college life, so to speak, is that did food allergies affect your planning on what you were going to do after college? And did you plan on moving out and living by yourself? I had to think a little bit on this question when Mm -hmm. I first saw it, because my instinct was to say no. Um, But I think in reality, there's always a a little bit of that concern deep down, if I'm being honest with myself. And there were some things that I career paths that I was interested in that I did think were not going to be opportunities for me. And I Mm -hmm. think it took me a long time to come around and realize that that boundary only existed in my own mind Mm -hmm. and didn't necessarily exist in real life. Um, But in terms of living on my own, I always wanted to live on my own. I always wanted to be independent. And pretty much when I moved out to university, um, I was 17. And then I think I went back home for two summers. But then after that, I was just on my own. um, And I lived near campus. And then I just never moved back home. So that was something that I always wanted because I've always just liked being alone. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm, I like having a roommate and, you know, but I've just always enjoyed that. And I'm, I don't get lonely by myself. Mm -hmm. So I've just always liked being that way. Um, And I never really considered my food allergies in regards to that at all. I know my parents did and they talked Mm -hmm. with me about it and they were like, well, we always, they were like, we're cool with you living away from us, but we always want you to have like a roommate or something just that there's always someone around. 
Um, and that was fair. And it's, it's fun to have a roommate too. Yeah. You have like yeah. a built-in person to hang out with whenever you want. Exactly. Yeah. And then actually I ended up living with my brother for okay. about five years. Mm-hmm. So he was two years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like so much fun. Mm-hmm. So I really <laughs> enjoyed fun. living with my brother mm-hmm. and actually we shared like a 500 square foot condo for a few oh. years. So we were very close, <laughs> probably closer than he wanted to yeah. be. But <laughs> But yeah, I never really thought about my allergies in regards to moving out because I always thought eventually you have to be on your own. Like there's just, exactly, and so there's no reason to ever, I felt there was no reason to delay that if that's what I wanted. But in terms of career paths, um, the one thing that has been a constant in my life from the time that I was a really little kid was that I've just always been interested in like television and food Mm -hmm. and, and meat, like media in general, I guess. Mm-hmm. and we always so my my family was very encouraging of that but we always did kind of joke that like I would never get on the food network because the food network is like full of dairy right you know because like American yeah. cooking is like so much butter and cheese and stuff yeah so we always kind of joked that like well that's like you know they wouldn't get like my show yeah. would get like no views because I would never use cheese and stuff mm-hmm. And although we joked about it, I think I actually took it more seriously than mm-hmm. I realized and I always thought like well that's just not a that's like a career path that I shouldn't even explore. Right. Um, but it wasn't until I had my first book published that I realized mm-hmm. actually there are people who are interested in this. Mm-hmm. And so then I started blogging about it, which felt like a good compromise yeah. because by that point I was also like, how do I even like, how do I even start in that field? Mm-hmm. And so it's taken me so many more years to kind of jump into that, that realm mm-hmm. and if I had have considered it earlier, like who knows what could have happened. Yeah, that's amazing. I like how you were able to kind of creatively pave your own path in that field and kind of make it whatever fits your lifestyle and what it fits you and also find other like-minded people who enjoy that. Yeah. So I think that's really great. Um, Thank you. And when you first moved out of college, what what did you think was the main difference living in college versus living on your own? Hmm. Well, I guess when you're living in student residence, it's a very casual living environment. Mm-hmm. So there's always people coming, going, coming, going from your suite, from each other's dorms. Um, mine was apartment style. Mm-hmm. So it actually kind of felt like living in an apartment already. I know a lot of my friends who lived in more traditional dorms. It was a bigger transition for them when they moved out into actual apartments after. But for me, I had already lived in this apartment style residence Mm -hmm. so I was used to grocery shopping and I was used to doing all of those things so it wasn't really a big transition I think the only thing that changed was that I went from having three roommates to having one roommate Mm -hmm. and when you're living in student housing there's usually like the name changes for every school but some schools call it a don some call it an ra and that's basically the advisor for your floor and they're usually like a phd student or master's student who's more experienced and they kind of oversee like the group of people Mm -hmm. on their floor. And once I moved out of student housing, I realized that that person had been a good resource for me Mm -hmm. in the past. Um, It just felt kind of comforting to know that there was like, there was someone who was a neutral body on that floor. So if I ever got into any issues with cleanliness or anything like that of my roommates, which does come up Mm -hmm. um, when you're an allergy person, your roommate's cleanliness can be, it's really important like yeah. it's not just a nuisance but if there were times when I started to notice like 
oh, there's a lot of like peanut butter around or something. Mm -hmm. I would actually go, there was a time when I actually went and spoke to my, um, my floor advisor and I was like, can we just, can you just come in and like review the roommate agreement with everyone and make it a bit more neutral. And so there were times like that where I did lean on that person. Um, and though it was few, it was like those times were important. Um, but then when you move out on your own, you kind of lose those like structural Mm -hmm. things. Right. So when I moved out with a roommate, I moved in with a girl that I knew, but I didn't know her super well. Mm -hmm. Um, we had only met a few times and I don't know, we just moved in together. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never really thought about having like any kind of agreement or anything. Like, I don't even know if that, that might've been Mm -hmm. weird since we were not, you know, we weren't in school residence anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also wasn't used to people who cooked with a lot of peanut butter, who cooked with a lot of dairy. Cause even though we had those allergens in my home growing right. up, my, like my, my family didn't cook with them. Like it was more like they would have a piece of cheese here and there, or my dad would roast right. nuts or something, but the, we didn't have like regular cooking with mm-hmm. butter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like not incorporated into your like daily meals. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was more of like a thing on the side. Mm-hmm. And then I moved in with this person who, like exclusively cooked with butter and like put cheese and everything and loved peanut butter and Mm -hmm. so I was she was understanding but like she didn't have the experience to really know like what it was and I didn't really have that conversation with her before we moved in I had it once we moved in Mm -hmm. and I was constantly having to remind her like oh like you left you left a huge glob of peanut butter in Mm -hmm. the sink like can you please wash yeah. that? Cause I want to go cook something. So right. there was a little bit more of that once mm-hmm. I moved out. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't have the, the residence dawn to lean on anymore. So I just had to be more responsible right. for it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. So when you were in college, did you, were you like on some meal plan or did you always cook by yourself and make your own food in college and in your apartment? I mean, in your, uh, like when you were moving out. Yeah, I didn't have a meal plan. I was actually lucky because the building that I was in um, was the international student building. And that's why it was an apartment style one, because mm-hmm. it was kind of intended for students who didn't have like whose home base wasn't in Canada. Mm-hmm. So it was more like people would live there throughout the summer, too. So it was a different setup than like a traditional oh. dorm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have to have a meal plan. And in fact, my administrative body like that I was part of at U of T, we didn't even have a cafeteria. Okay. I think we were the only one that didn't have a cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was just used to grocery shopping and stuff. But I know my brother, he went to a different school mm-hmm. and he has food allergies as well. And he was obligated to get the meal plan, oh. even though he had uh, apartment style as well. Mm-hmm. And he said the only allergy safe thing that they could give him was like he would have a hamburger for breakfast, lunch and dinner oh because everything else had like nuts in it or like peanut butter or like so he like he was always complaining about that that he had just always ate burgers and it was mm-hmm. so boring and he wanted real food. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't have to have a meal plan. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I did go to one of my like because I had friends who were from different different areas of U of T. Mm-hmm. And so there was one friend I used to go to his um his cafeteria with him from time to time. Mm-hmm. And I, I would just get like an apple and yeah. a juice box or something. Yeah. Like something. I would just get something so that I was eating. Right. Um, and I just, yeah, like I'd get a banana and a pop or something like that. And I would just, mm-hmm. you know, just to have something while yeah, I was just, there. Yeah. 
That's good though. That, do you think your experience with cooking benefited you when you're kind of moving out at all? Oh yeah, definitely. Because I know that when I moved into residence, the, like there were three roommates I had, the three of them really didn't know how to cook at all. And I saw them reaching for like all of these more convenience foods. Like even there was another girl my age who had a very similar list of allergies to me. Um, and she had never really explored cooking before. So mm -hmm. I noticed they were doing a lot more like heating up frozen stuff or like right. microwaving meals or um, go, like getting meal plans at other cafeterias and mm -hmm. like trying to make that work. Um, whereas I felt like the food part, I didn't even think twice about, like, I, it really wasn't even a concern for me because growing up, like I always went to the grocery store with my mom, even in high school, sometimes I'd go by myself and do groceries. Like I was always very independent when it came to food. So I, I literally didn't even think about it when I moved into residence and I just continued cooking as I had always cooked at home. That's great. And it was actually a great way to make friends because so much of student culture is like going out for cheap food mm -hmm. and a lot of like cheap restaurants are not necessarily allergy friendly because right. they're just fast food right yeah. um so being able to cook and bake it kind of attracted people to our dorm mm -hmm. oh, and like fun. people always knew like if they came over like we had just baked yeah. something or whatever and, and yeah. I would kind of like lead the activity because I'd be like guys like we're gonna cook this tonight or we're gonna bake yeah, like, fun. like a bonding. yeah and it was it just became like a fun thing yeah. and then people like loved my cooking so it was it you know made me feel good yeah yeah or like if we had a night out at a bar or something mm -hmm. like we'd come home and then I would make everyone pasta and right. I would make these like massive bowls of pasta mm -hmm. and like these would be like 10, so 10 people eating pasta yeah. like laying there like half a lot so it's just you know it was it became like a fun thing yeah like so I was really happy that I had that mm -hmm. skill that's amazing um and a part of having food allergies is obviously the allergy anxiety that comes with it mm -hmm. and when you're home like when you were younger and you had your parents to like support you or whenever you're experiencing that so how did how did you deal with allergy anxiety when you were living by yourself like moving out I wish I had a good answer. <laughs> My answer is to be very honest. I don't think I dealt with it very well. Yeah. Um, understandable. Yeah. Like I've, I've definitely gone in waves over the years. Like sometimes right. I have so much food anxiety and sometimes I have none at all. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, um, what I would do if I was home alone and I was having a, an anxious day about food, mm -hmm. I just wouldn't eat mm -hmm. like unless someone was home or, yeah, I, I think I policed myself a bit more once I was on my own. And then I made a lot of mistakes too. Obviously, when you're in university or college, like right. you make a ton of mistakes in your life, right? Because yeah. like, you're learning everything. Learning and I think I've like punished myself for a lot of those mistakes. So there'd be times when like I used to eat at McDonald's a lot, even though the cross contact is like unbelievable there. Um, and I remember there were times when I would like get a burger and fries late at night with my friends. And then I would have such an itchy mouth after. Huh. And I would realize, you know, obviously there was some cross contact there and now I'm on high alert. Mm -hmm. And then that would like things like that would make me anxious. Right. And then maybe for like a week after I would feel really nervous to eat. Cause I'd be like, well, I made a poor choice doing that. How do I know that I'm not making poor choices right. with everything else that I'm eating? So I would kind of like beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. And I did that a lot. And then that would make me feel like, well, I can't trust myself. So I'm not going to eat when I'm home mm -hmm. alone. So it's kind of became a little bit of a, right. you know, a bad cycle I got into there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So how did you deal with that self-doubt what like like going along with managing food allergies, like sometimes when you're on your own, you have to, you sometimes doubt yourself like, oh, like what if I forget my EpiPen? Because like when you're living with your parents, they remind you, oh, did you have this? Did you get that? And so how did you kind of keep yourself in check and like kind of disciplined in that food allergy man- management? Um, I think as soon as I moved out, it just like hit me that I'm, o- I'm the only person who's responsible for this now. Mm-hmm. Like I, it would be ridiculous to think that my parents were involved in that. Right. You know, the second, the second you move out of your home and your parents help you move in and they leave mm-hmm. the second they wave goodbye, it's no longer their responsibility to right. worry about your EpiPen. It's only your own responsibility. So I just very suddenly, I, I went from being a teenager who like my mom used to have to remind me all mm-hmm. the time, like bring a purse, bring your EpiPen, right. like whatever. And then the second I moved out, I was like, yeah, I'll just bring it everywhere. Like that's not a question anymore. One thing that I did have to get used to was like setting my reminders to check the expiry Mm. date. Oh yeah. that's Because I always used to forget about that. Mm. And I remember once when I was, I think I was like 20 or 21, maybe um, I was going to Mexico with my boyfriend and his family. Mm. And I actually forgot to check my EpiPen expiry. And I didn't realize that they had expired. Like, Mm. I think it was like three or four months prior and my mom gave me such, oh my God, I got in so much trouble for that because I'm leaving, you know, right. the next day. Yeah. And then I ended up, my mom had to call the pharmacist that mm-hmm. she's known forever. And mm-hmm. he ended up like rushing me a couple of EpiPen. Mm-hmm. At the time, you couldn't just buy them over the counter. Yeah. They were prescription only. Um, so yeah, so that was a big lesson. And that was a good reminder. So from then on, I'm like much better about mm-hmm. checking them myself. Yeah, because it's easy to kind of, look over them just have them with you all the time and just forget about when they're going to expire then the next time they're like a year over so it's yeah it's super important to continue to do that and also when you were living on your own like when you find a new product or a new food you want to try did you make sure you're surrounded by like some sort of like person or people that you know or were you okay with trying new products by yourself I think I was actually pretty okay with trying new products Mm -hmm. by myself as long as there were things that were familiar to me like for example if I was trying a new brand of pasta then yeah I was fine to try it but Mm -hmm. there was also kind of always someone around when you're living in student residence Mm -hmm. um you kind of know everyone in the building Mm -hmm. even as acquaintances right so I was never really alone um but once I moved out of student housing and into an apartment then I became a little bit more particular because Mm -hmm. it was no longer a situation like, oh, if I'm having an emergency, you know, I can't just go knock on my neighbor's door and say, Mm -hmm. hi, can, do you mind coming with me to the hospital? Like you kind of lose that when Mm -hmm. you move into an apartment. So I became a little bit more cautious. And then Mm -hmm. in those situations, I would just always do it like with, if my roommate was home or if a friend was over Mm -hmm. and I pretty much always had a friend over, like I just, yeah. I never really was alone that much. So it was kind of easy yeah. to find those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And going along with that, were there any other major lessons that you learned towards the beginning of you kind of living on your own? Yeah, there probably were. <laughs> what? Um, I don't know. Give me something more specific. I'll tell you. Um, like, for example, if you're eating out and like communicating with the waiter or just like just in the area of communicating with your food allergies. Yes. Okay. I remember um, going out. So I always 
my family liked going to restaurants a lot. Mm -hmm. So we ate in restaurants quite often when I was growing up. And I'm really glad because it did kind of give me like a certain level of comfort. Yeah. In those situations. But I remember feeling that it felt very different to eat in a restaurant and to speak with a server about my allergies with my family there versus when I was with friends or potentially like a couple friends and a couple of people I didn't know mm-hmm. well. So I remember the first time I went out to a steakhouse with a group of friends who invited me and I didn't really know most of the people there. I think I was maybe 18 or 19 mm-hmm. and they were also a bit older. Like I think they were in their early twenties mm-hmm. and I got there and I, I actually felt nervous, which was weird because yeah. I had eaten at this place before. And coincidentally, they picked a restaurant that I could, that I had eaten at. So I was like, okay, oh, I was telling myself, I'm like, first of all, I, I know I can eat here because I've eaten yeah. many times. But then I felt like I suddenly forgot how to communicate <laughs> about my allergies to the server because I, I was like, oh, this is like weird for them. Like, mm. I don't know, like they're not going to understand. And I, I felt a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I ordered and like we ate together and everything, it was fine. So I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I learned that I didn't need to be quite as self-conscious as I had been, but it is sometimes just, I think no matter what, like it can be a little bit awkward sometimes because you're revealing like your health details yeah. to a server. You vulnerable at times. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah. That, yeah. That's really important to keep in mind, just not being afraid to kind of speak and like make sure all of your needs are met because at the end of the day that's just the most important thing and you shouldn't really like I mean I I definitely understand that it it gets to me and it gets to me too sometimes like if like thinking of what people are thinking of me when I'm you know interrogating the waiter with like a hundred questions yeah um, it definitely could get awkward but just just knowing at the end of the day that you're doing that to keep yourself safe is the most important thing so yeah I agree with you exactly um and food allergy wise going into the real world how prepared did you feel when you were kind of just out there by yourself I yeah I always felt very prepared because I always just felt like like this is this is going to be the situation forever mm-hmm. so really it's almost like in life you're kind of prepared for everything and you're also right. kind of prepared for nothing like yeah, because you true. never know what's going to happen exactly and I certainly never could have predicted the route that my personal life or my career or anything took and I'm not the type of person who really um, imagines certain expectations of the future so I can't say that I ever like ran through scenarios mm-hmm. of what would happen because I, I don't really think like that um, but I feel like I always my my way of thinking is always like lowest hanging fruit first Mm-hmm. So whatever is easiest, do it first. Right. And I just feel like I do that with everything in life. So even if there was like, I was starting a new job and I knew I'd have to tell my colleagues about this. I'd be like, what's the easiest way to tell them first? Right. Like what, what's the simplest route, the root of least resistance. And that was always kind of what guided me. And even I took a job at one point where I did have to travel a lot. And um, on the one hand, it made me a little bit nervous. But on the other hand, I was like, I'm unprepared for this, but I'll always find a way to make it work because I'll always just give myself those little wins. So like getting on a flight with colleagues and talking about my allergies to the stewardess in front of my colleagues, I'm like, done, that's That's done now. I can move on to the next thing. So it's always just about like, I think acknowledging the little wins and then building up your own self-confidence and knowing that you're actually capable of doing literally anything. You just can't stand in your own way. 
Exactly. And I think that the little wins, they build up to increasing your confidence, increasing your thinking of what you can do in the future. Yeah. And kind of that leads to you pushing yourself and pa- passing those boundaries and not letting your know, allergies stop you, which yeah, yeah. I think that's really great. Um, and did you have to make any additions to your food allergy routine from the lessons that you learned? Um, and what do you mean? Like, did I add any new allergens or do you like, mean like, like, as for like management, did you incorporate any new like w- routines that you had to do? Oh, like one being like having to check your EpiPen. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So I did start timing um, seasonally my EpiPen. So I always have four mm-hmm. EpiPens in my possession. Mm-hmm. Two of them I leave at home and two of them I carry in my purse. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I travel, I take all four EpiPens. So that if like worst case scenario, my purse gets thrown under a bus or something, yeah. I always have two at home, right. um, two at the hotel. Right. So I did, I started doing that mm-hmm. and I also timed them so that two of them expire in like February, March and two of them expire in April, May. Oh. So I just like, I know yeah. when my time zones are. Mm-hmm. So that was new. Um, and I also started carrying a chef card, mm-hmm. which I found when I was younger, people just automatically took my allergies so much more seriously because mm-hmm. I was a kid. Right. And they just like, were so worried about like putting a kid in yeah. harm's way. Yeah. As I grew up, people took my allergies less seriously in oh, restaurants. And I think people started to perceive it as more of like, oh, she's picky or she has a dietary mm-hmm. preference, you know, yeah, or like she's a choice. She's choosing. Yeah. Choice. Or oftentimes I'll tell people about my dairy allergy and then they'll say like, oh, this is gluten-free. And you know, there's like a misunderstanding. Yeah. So I started carrying a chef card, which I found as soon as I hand a chef card to a server, they automatically take it so much more seriously. And on my chef card, it says very clearly, these are anaphylactic allergies for which I carry EpiPens. Mm. This is not a food preference. And I put that on there explicitly. That's good. And yes. And the number of restaurant managers who've actually come out and been like, thank you for saying that on your yeah. chef card, because otherwise we're going to not really know if this is a preference or an actual allergy. And actually one time <laughs> I was out for lunch and I gave my chef card and the manager came back and she had laminated it. Oh, wow. And she was like, I just want you to know this is the best thing ever. And I, I laminated it. For wow. you. <laughs> I was hilarious. like, yeah, it was funny. But she was like, you know, it just makes us understand a bit mm-hmm. better because when they're back in the kitchen, they can't see the customer. Yeah. They don't really know the full situation, right. but like, just say everything so explicitly yep. and don't leave anything up to people's personal judgment. Right. Like just like, give them all the information mm-hmm. and like make it a very facts-based interaction. Yeah, like clear cut communication, just yes, straightforward. Exactly. So Yeah. So yeah. that became really important for me. So now I just keep like, I print them off myself and I just mm-hmm. keep like a stack of chef cards in mm-hmm. my purse. Right. And that way, if I'm ever in a situation where I need one, I just have them ready. And yeah, and like, it's pretty common that they don't come back to me because maybe the kitchen like writes on them or Mm. it ends up getting like wet or thrown out or something. Then it doesn't matter. I just have a stack of them. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, yeah, that's really good tip. Um, Just having like something portable that people can look at instead of you verbally saying it because sometimes even with verbal verbal communication that can you know get misinterpreted but if it's on paper you know if someone yeah. it once and they think they don't understand it they can read it twice because it's right in front of them and they have like a handheld copy so exactly yeah I think yeah. that's really good 
Um, and going on more of like the fun lighter route, did you um, <laughs> find any new hobbies that for yourself when you were living on your own? Yeah, I got really into photography. That mm-hmm. was something that I was always interested in. Um, and in yeah. high school, I wanted to take photography classes, which mm-hmm. we had photography at our high school. And my mom was always like, no, you're eczema. Like all the, all the chemicals are going to harm your eczema. Don't do it. Yeah. And I was never, and it was actually surreptitiously because they only wanted me to study sciences. But, uh-huh. anyway. um, but I was still, even after all of that, like I was always a person who had a camera mm-hmm. and I always documented everything. And I, mm-hmm. I was the person who was always taking pictures. And mm-hmm. as soon as I moved out on my own, I was like, I really, really want to spend my free time learning photography. Mm-hmm. And so my parents got me a really nice um, DSLR camera for my convocation. So that mm-hmm. was a great present. And yeah. I remember my dad handing it to me and he was like, you better learn how to make money with this somehow. <laughs> and he was serious and it was kind of funny. Um, but that became a really big hobby of mine. That and also I would say like more exploratory cooking. Like mm-hmm. I've always loved to cook and I've always loved to, I, I like to be like very educated about food mm-hmm. and like cuisines around the world. Like I want to know regional cooking of everywhere Mm -hmm. because I just really enjoy learning about that kind of stuff and I think I got even more into that um once I was living on my own just because I had so much more time right just learn about like different cultures and yeah food that's really fun and I always see your Instagram posts they're always so like aesthetically pleasing with like the (laughs) the food photography is amazing like thank you so much talented thank you Uh, yeah it's just so professional and (laughs) Yeah. So the final question that I want to ask you is what's one piece of advice? Um, I know I'm kind of put, putting you on the spot, but what's one piece <laughs> of advice that you would give to someone who's with food allergies, who's transitioning out of college? I think definitely just the low hanging fruit first, give yourself all the little wins that you can, mm-hmm. because being on your own sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming. If you're yeah. not used to doing things independently, it is going to be a really big change for you. So give yourself all the little wins that you can don't stand in your own way and find the path of least resistance to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't, I don't ever want anyone's food allergies to stand in their way of like being who they want to be right. in life or following the path that they want to follow because there is always just a way to make it work. And there are things that might seem difficult. Like I said, my job where I had to travel a lot, mm-hmm. it seemed difficult and it seemed like a hurdle, but the hurdles exist so that you can climb them. Like it's, you know, it's something that if you feel called to do something, then find a way to make it work safely for you. And like, yeah, just, just boost yourself up as much as you possibly can. Yep. That that's such an amazing message. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for coming on. I had a really great time and learned a lot of amazing information. And I'm hoping that a lot of people take away all of that from this episode. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for the interview. And I I really like what you're doing with your Instagram and your podcast and everything, because I think this is the resource that so many young people wish they had, you know, and now so you're doing a really great job. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I hope you had a great time listening. I really appreciate the support and thank you.